0: Hallelujah. This pulpit ain't made for him. It's just perfect for me, man. Look at this. What's up with that? Amen. I know. It's a big pulpit. Praise God. If you have your Bibles, turn over to 1 Kings chapter 1. Amen. How many of y'all like to fish? Oh, man. I'm so sick of trout. I was so happy to come out here and, and fish for something different. And uh, man, I wasn't catching but nothing but turtles, man. What is up with that? I caught 15 turtles. If I wanted turtle soup, by what I've been doing good. Hey, Amen. And then I, uh, is there anybody here who works for fishing game? That's good. Because <laughs> I left my pole in the water. I got mad at the end of the night. I said, I'll ah, just leave that thing in the water. Came back in the morning, had a five-pound catfish on there. Amen. I was going to throw him back, but I said, no, nah, I better keep him, man. So I, I kept him and had half of him for lunch. Amen. Amen. We love Texas. You can keep the heat, but I love Texas. Amen. Praise God. You know, serving God is a, uh, it's an adventure. Being a Christian, it's an adventure being saved. It's, uh, you know, I, I used to think that I was uh I was adventurous before I was a Christian. But, man, after I became a believer, I realized being a born-again believer, serving God, you never know what God's going to do. You never know what twists and turns are coming. But one thing you do know, God's there for us. Amen. So I've got a message I want to minister. Kind of piggybacks off what Pastor preached on, on Sunday. But God God being the God of the mountains and the valleys. Amen. In life. In 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 13, it says, Now, ben the king of Syria, had gathered all his forces together, and there were 32 kings with him with horses and chariots, and he went up and he besieged Samaria, and he made war against it. And according to the rest of the story, Israel defeated the Syrians on that, mountain, that mountaintop that day. On that mountaintop, they were defeated. But then here comes ben again, and, and because they were defeated on a mountain, he thought to himself, this, this wicked king thought to himself, well, their God must be the God of the mountaintops. So let's, let's go after him again, but this time we'll go down into the valley. And in verse 26, it says, So it was in the spring of that year that Benadad mustered the Syrians and went up to Apec to fight against Israel. And the children of Israel were mustered and given provisions, and they went against them and the children of Israel camped before them like two little flocks of goats while the Syrians filled the countryside. Then a man of God came and spoke to the king of Israel and said, Thus says the Lord, because the Syrians have said, The Lord is the God of the hills, and he's not the God of the valleys, therefore I will deliver all this great multitude into your hand, and you shall know that I am the Lord. You know, there's an old song. It goes like this. The God on the mountain is still God in the valley. When things go wrong, he'll make them right. The God of the good times is still the God of the bad times. And the God of the day is still the God of the night. When I got saved, my wife and I came into the church. I've said this many times. I had absolutely no idea what you Christian people did. I didn't know anything about Christianity. I didn't know the difference between a Catholic and a Mormon. I didn't know nothing. Never been in church. Didn't know nothing about being a believer, but for some reason I had this in my mind that all Christians, man, you all were happy all the time. That Everything went well for you. You were always, you know, always uh, excited about serving God. And then for the first six months, it was true because everything that we did, man, we were we were excited. We got, we came every time the doors were open. We went to every Bible study. We went to every church service. Man, I said, this is exciting, but all you got to do is be saved a few, few months and you realize, man, that. Not everybody in church is saved, amen. And not everybody in church is for you. And you start realizing that the, when the Bible says it rains on the just and in, on the unjust, how many know that's true? When you got saved, it didn't mean that everything was going to be rosy, that everything's going to work out all the time. But God's with you through your trials and He's with you through your struggles. You know, when it comes to mountaintop experiences, you know, God was on the mountaintop with Moses when He gave Him the Ten Commandments. God took Peter. James and John on a high mountain when Jesus was transfigured before them. And on the mountain of God at Horeb at the burning bush, God appeared to Moses and he commissioned him to deliver Israel. And I want to say this. I thank God in Christianity for the mountaintop experiences. When I hear about the testimonies, when I hear about the miracles or what's happening over uh, in, in Tanzania, or you hear the great things that are going on, I love those mountaintop moments that where you get a divine revelation or you get direction or God commissions you to just do some great work. We love those things. How many, don't we? Don't we love it, man, to hear great testimony? Don't we love it, man, when somebody comes up that we've been praying about and they get saved or somebody comes up with cancer and, they, and a service and God miraculously heals them and sets them free? We love those times. And we like to equate those with, we call them mountaintop experiences, amen? But, you know, I wish I could live on the mountaintop, but you can't. I wish I could receive some revelation every time I wake up in the morning, either Pastor Mario or Pastor Blake or Pastor Jones would call me and say, thus saith the Lord, and give me a good word in that morning, send me off of the day. Amen. I, I, I wish I had a burning bush experience every time I got up every day. But life is not lived on the mountaintops, you guys. Most of our Christian experience really truly is worked out in the, in the valleys. It's worked out in the everyday thing that we do every day. You go to work, you throw trash. You, you work as a, you're a secretary. Maybe you're a, you work at a restaurant or whatever you do in life. Everything that we do in God and how God works through us and with us happens in the everyday experiences of life. That's really where people are molded and shaped and where characters develop. It's not on the mountaintop. I know it was, I think it was Winston Churchill who once said, mountaintops inspire leaders, but valleys mature them. Amen. I preached this at my church. And man, it was, you could hear a pin drop. Amen. I got a church full of new converts. Amen. And they're living on a mountaintop right now. But the valleys are coming. The problems are coming. If you're, not in a, if you're not in a valley right now, if you're not having a problem, if you're not, it's not something you're having to deal with, guess what? It's coming. Amen? I'm not a doomsday guy. Amen? But I just experience life differently now. Before I was saved, what did we do when we got in trouble or we had problems? We went to the bottle or whatever we did. We, we, we found ways to, to find, uh, you know, uh, to get relief. But as a believer in Jesus Christ, it's the total opposite. Amen? You know, when you come to church, and especially on a Sunday morning, this place is packed out. And if you look around, if God would show you every person in the service, all those people that have their hands raised. There are many people that come to church, and they're going through things, man. They got all kinds of problems happening. You wouldn't know it by their praise. You wouldn't know it by coming up and talking to them. You wouldn't know it by how they interact with people. You'd think, man, these people got it together. But it's not the case. Amen. Everybody's got something they're dealing with. It's how you deal with it. That, that determines whether you stay on that, in that valley, amen, or you stay in that experience. You know, the valley, I believe, is a place that our faith is put to the test. In 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, he says this, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith Being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not what you go through. It's how you go through. Let me say that again. It's not what you go through in life. It's how you go through it. And so, you know, sometimes... In my experience, I feel like sometimes God will separate us. He'll take us off of our mountaintop experience. It seems like he causes everybody we know to pull back away from us, everything we trust in to fail. And even though you're surrounded by people, man, you feel alone, and it kind of forces you to look up. God's not going to leave you to yourself. That's what I thank God about about my interaction with him. He never leaves me to myself. He never leaves me in in a place, man, where it's detrimental to my walk with him. He's always going to pull me out or he's always going to push me forward. He's always dealing with us about things. And I thank God for that. In Psalms 84, 5 and 6, he says, Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage as they pass through the valley of Baca. You know that word Baca means... A place of weeping, you know. I know that when I became a Christian, I don't know how many people here. But when I became a Christian, I wasn't really a crier. I, I didn't. I, I didn't. Uh, I think I. I think it had been five years since I had ever shed a tear. I was one of those guys, you know. You you chew nails and spit bullets. I felt like you know I didn't want to cry. Crying's for sissies. Amen. And uh, but you know after you get saved there's no such thing as the feminizing the male. It's just God does something. Amen. And I remember going to that altar that one time, that, that one experience I had at the altar. I got down on my knees and I weeped like a baby, man. I didn't care about who was there. I didn't care who was listening. I wiped snot all over the altar. It didn't matter. I didn't care who was watching. Amen. We need more experiences like that. How many know that? We need more experiences at an altar like that. I don't want to just come to an altar and just come down and pray a quick prayer and leave, and I don't even remember what the pastor preached. I need an experience with God. I need God to deal with me. I need God to take me through the valley. Amen. One time, a pastor told me, he said, trials have a beginning, a middle, and an end. Amen. A beginning, a middle, and an end. Whatever you're dealing with that situation or whatever that circumstance is, you ain't going to go through it forever. There's an end to that thing. Amen. Amen. Somebody said, it's not our fullness necessarily that attracts God to us. It's our emptiness. It's not our strength that touches God. It's our weakness. It's it's not our dignity that impresses God, but really, truly, it's our desperation. How desperate are we? Amen. How desperate are we right now for revival? I'm pretty desperate right now. I want revival. I want to see a move of God. Not In our church, I want to see a move of God in America. I want to see a move of God in our fellowship. I want to see God pour his power out. I don't want church as usual. I told I tell the people in Denver, they don't know what they got their hands on when I got there. I said, I'll shut this thing down. You guys don't want a revival? I'm out of here. And they're looking at me like, what's wrong with him? I said, I, said, I want revival, amen? And you can go with me if you want to. If you want to, I, we're going to go through things to get there. We're going to have problems going there, amen? But I want to make it. I'm tired. I'm tired of working with people, man, who one little problem happens and boom, they stop coming to church for a week. I'm tired of dealing with people. This is just me, okay? That's not your pastor. It's me. I'm tired of dealing with people, man, that they, they have a, a trial or some struggle that happens. And then they come to church. They're mad at everybody. They stop tithing. They act like spiritual babies, man, spiritual brats. Hey, man, it's time we rise up as believers, man. Hey, we've been through enough, man. We don't need to, to act like kids. Paul said, when I was a child, I acted like a child. Amen? I don't want to be a kid anymore. I know things are going to happen. I know we all do dumb things. Amen? But I want to, I want to be more mature when it comes to trials and struggles. And I want to, I want, Pastor, I was talking to Pastor yesterday. I want to compartmentalize life a little bit better. Amen? Well, you know, as a pastor, um, many times, man, you can, you, if you take everything in that's going on, Sister Susie Q over here tells me, you know, she's got cancer. Then this guy over here in church tells me, you know, he's he's this whole time he's been coming to church, he's been shooting heroin, and this guy wants to leave his wife, and this one over here. And if you're not careful, even in church, as a Bible study leader or or ministry leader, you you take in all the problems that people have, it'll just it'll devastate you, it'll ruin you, man. You got to be able to compartmentalize, and, and where you're at is what you're dealing with. Right now, I'm on vacation. I'm on right now. I'm preaching. But about about an hour ago, I was with my wife. Amen. When I leave here, I'm going to go back and be with my wife. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. That's how you stay married for 35 years. Praise God. You focus on that. You compartmentalize. You want to make it for God when it goes through, when you come to struggles and trials. You got to compartmentalize things. You got to keep it in a box. Yes, there's this problem going on over here. You pray for it. You deal with it. But then you go back and you got to go to work and you got to take care of the kids and you got to spend time with your wife and you got to do your Bible study. You got to study. You got to be able to do these things. You can't let life kick you to the curb. You can't let your, your valleys, man, ruin your life. There's mountaintop experiences coming, y'all. There's going to probably be a couple in here tonight for a few people people, amen, something maybe you've been praying about, God's going to meet that need tonight, you know, so I heard somebody say once that God wants to heal you more than you want to be healed, that God wants to bless you more than you want to be blessed, when I say that, most, many people don't believe it, but he does, he wants to bless us, but if he gave us everything we asked for, we'd be spiritual brats, huh, come on You know, the day that Peter walked on the water, that was a mountaintop experience for him. I don't know if you've ever walked on the water. I haven't. He walked on the water. And I know they were trash talking him in the boat. There he goes again. He's walking on the water. I know he's sunk and that's all I ever hear preachers talk about is that his faith, his faith wavered and he sunk. Well, when's the last time they walked on the water? He walked on the water, man. Come on, I don't know how long he walked on the water, but he was walking on the water. I don't know if he was dancing on the water. I don't know what he was doing or he's like this, but he walked on the water. And, you know, he sunk, but he walked on the water. And that was a mountaintop experience for him. I don't think in the farthest reaches of his mind at that moment that he ever would consider that he would betray Jesus after that. I mean it was the farthest thing from him. Find himself weeping in repentance. I don't believe, I don't believe that he ever had that thought ever cross his mind. But I believe that God is closer to us in our valleys than he is in our mountaintop experiences. But we think the other way around because God blessed us financially, because God's using you in ministry, or you're praying for the sick, and you cast out devils, or God's using you in Music ministry or whatever, you're singing, and you're in your mountaintop, you're in your place, you know, and it's awesome, and God's with you, but you know what, you don't learn anything in the mountaintop, you know, and most of the time on the mountaintop, you don't learn much, it's just a time for you to be refreshed, but then eventually you got to come back down that mountain. You got to come back down the mountain, and you got to go back down to the Gadarenes, the demoniac of the Gadarenes. You got to go back to work to that cussing devil. You you work side by side with that's always talking trash, talking you, and it's everything you can do to put your fist down his throat. Amen. You got to go back to work. You gotta gotta go. You gotta get around heathens. Amen. But you got to stay saved. You got to serve God. You got to do what's right. You got to make right decisions. You got to make right choices. I remember one time some guy called me up on the phone, some backslidden preacher. This was like 25 years ago. He calls me up on the phone. I was pastoring in Montana, and he calls me up, and he goes, you got to get out of that fellowship. I said, why? He goes, because they're a cult. I said, what, what, what's a cult? What, I was like, I was, so, I was ignorant. I said, what's a cult? He tried to explain to me. I said, that's not a cult. So what they do. Well, well, you got to get out of that, fella. I said, you're an idiot, and I hung up, amen. I had a choice to make. I could have I listened to that idiot, right, and I'd be with him right now in a mental hospital somewhere, or I could listen to God, amen. Yeah. Listen, there's all be all kinds of people who are going to try to dissuade you, try to get you off track to make you miss God, amen. I'm here to tell you, man, God's got a great plan for you. My favorite scripture, my favorite all-time scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Amen? Doesn't mean you're not going to go through things. You're going to have problems. You're going to have struggles. But you're going to make it. You're going to make it. Amen? And you're even going to be able to smile with braces. Amen? My wife talked me into these braces. Like, I got to throw this out of here. This ain't my sermon. Last December, she talked me into getting these braces. Now these dentists won't take these braces off my teeth. They told me they were going to take them off in six months. It's been more than six months. I'm going to get a pair of pliers, amen, and I'm going to take them off myself. I looked at my wife. I said, I think they're straight enough, amen, let's get these things off. It's hard to preach when you're spitting at everybody in your church on the front <laughs> row. Or you've got a big chunk of food in there, amen, here. But anyways. I believe God's closer to us in our valleys than he is in our mountaintops. I feel the closest to him when I'm going through things. In Psalms 91 said, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. In verse 15 of that same text, it says, he shall call upon me, and I will answer him, and I will be with him in trouble, and I will deliver him, and I will honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him, and I'll show him my salvation. Psalms 68:5 says, he's the father to the fatherless. He's the defender of widows. It don't matter what you've been through, where you've been, what you're going through. God's there for you. Amen. I read a story about a house that had caught on fire. And a young boy who was forced to climb to the top of the roof to escape the fire. He was just a young kid. And the flames were coming up towards the roof. And the father actually stood on the ground below. And he had his arms stretched out. And he's yelling to his kid. And he's screaming at him, jump, jump, I'll catch you, jump. Jump. And they said that that boy, man, all he could see was fire, smoke, and blackness. It was nighttime. And his dad kept yelling, jump, I'll catch you, jump, I'll catch you. And he says, Daddy, I can't see you. And he looked up and he said, but I can see you. Jump. And that, that is the epitome. That, that is Christianity. That's God. We don't see him all the time. Sometimes you don't sense him. You don't feel him. You're, it's like, God, where are you? I don't understand. Why is this happening to me? Why do good things happen, bad, good things happen to bad people, like he said? And why do bad things happen to good people? You pay your tithe, you go to church, you do what's right, man. You love people, you love your wife, you do what's right with your kids, and then tragedy strikes, tragedy strikes, amen. And you know, usually tragedy strikes, man, at the, the closest to your core, that 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 person that you love the most, that family member or that person, that's who that experience is with, amen. And I, I've shared this here before, but in 2002, while uh, Pastor Mario, I think, was in Costa Rica at the time, so was Pastor Blake, and Pastor Jones was there, I was at church, and uh, I was on staff at the time, and we were having a great time, I was sitting there with Pastor Paul, fellowshipping and talking and having a good time, and talking about some different things, and my wife was at home, no, my wife was working, she was secretary there, and, uh, and I got a phone call, it was my father-in-law, and my son at the time, he was 17, was staying with them, and my daughter was here with us, I was having some problems with my son at the time, and so we wanted to get him away for a while, get him with his grandparents, and then we'll bring him back. And I got a phone call from my father-in-law who says, screaming at me, telling me to get her. So I handed her the phone. And then I got, I got the news that, you know, you don't think you're ever going to get. But your son is dead. He, he, he's gone. And, and, and uh, I mean, it was like one of those, uh, it was like a serene moment for us. Because, you know, you don't know whether to cry. You don't know what to do. And I remember, man, I felt like my, I was going to have a heart attack. I was like, what, what's happening here? How can this happen? I kept calling and calling and calling. It was in Phoenix. And I kept saying, wait a minute. Um, this can't be happening. What's going on? What happened to him? What, what's going on? And, and I kept trying to get the details. I said, Are you sure that's what happened? Where is he? I, I was freaking out. I'll be honest with you, man. I almost lost it. And, uh, because, you know, no parent should ever outlive their kids. Amen. And I remember how it devastated me. It devastated my wife. It devastated my daughter for almost two years. My daughter, man, it took her two years to get it together. She, she didn't uh, actively rebel, but in her heart, man, she was as cold as ice. And she, I remember her telling me one day, she said, it was a Wednesday night service. Pastor was preaching and she said, I got sick and tired of being sick and tired. I got tired of feeling sorry for myself. I got tired of being in pain. And she said she just ran to the altar and got her heart right with God. And God broke it off her. If you meet my daughter today, she's very happy, very outgoing. She'll talk to anybody. She's a very sweet girl. And, uh, you know, my son-in-law. But, but my daughter is a sweetheart, man. She's a great girl. But you know that most people who lose kids end up in divorce. Did you know that? Like 90% end up in divorce. And I'm not saying because we're strong at all, but I know that I was surrounded by people just like you guys are surrounded by good people. You're surrounded by good leadership. You're surrounded in a fellowship who will pray for you. And people were inundating us in prayer. They were trying to help us. And I want to share this one story that happened at at the gravesite. You know, you got to imagine I'd only had one son, so I didn't have a father growing up, so uh, when I, I, mo- I had multiple dads growing up that beat my mother half to death, so I never had any kind of uh, uh, upbringing with men. I, I always had problems, and that's why I used to get in trouble and fight all the time. And, and I remember, man, the devastation that I felt losing him. It was like, you know, I, I was so excited to finally have a son that I was going to be the dad that I never had, that I was going to treat him the way I was never treated. I was going to do things with him that I never got to do with myself. And now he's gone. And I can't, I can't ask him questions. I can't, uh, why did you, what, why, why, why? I couldn't ask none of those questions. And I remember at the funeral, we were at the gravesite. You know, for the, honestly, when people hurt, people that love you don't know what to say to you. And when they do say something to you, it's usually something foolish or stupid because they don't know what to say. So it's better not to say anything when someone's suffering and love them and hug them. And, and that's what some people should have did. But I'm at the gravesite, and this is just me, okay? And I'm sitting next to the casket, and I'm, look, I'm looking, and I, and I can't believe that I'm in this position. And there's a line, that, like from that wall halfway over there, lined up for people to hug my wife, to tell her they feel sorry for. And I'm not feeling sorry for myself. I'm just telling you how at that moment how I felt. And I'm sitting by the casket, and not one single person came up to me. And I'm watching people go back and forth. I'm staring at the casket. I'm watching them hug my wife. And so we finally get ready to leave. My wife's devastated. We're walking back to the car, and a little girl, a little girl, man, about this big, Jamie Campbell's little girl, she's, she goes to my church now. And she's a grown woman now. But she was, she, he was carrying her. And she made, she made him bring her to me. And when I was getting into the car, he said, wait, she wants to say something. And she threw her arms around my neck and wouldn't let me go. Amen. And she was hugging me. And, and let me tell you something. That's the best hug I've ever had in my entire life. Amen. That's the best hug. I. Uh, that, that, it's those types of things that helped me get through that eventually. Amen. To push me through. I know I drove a lot of people crazy. Amen. Because, I, I, you know, you do that. You let that happen to you and you don't, act, you don't get a little crazy. Amen. Yeah, I might have been crazy. I mean, my pastor made me preach the next Wednesday. I say made because I didn't want to. (laughs) He said, you're preaching Wednesday. I said, okay. I don't want to preach. I don't want to preach. What do I preach on? Love. (laughs) Because it's the only thing I can think of. Amen. But you know what? That's not the end of my life. That's not the end of anybody's life. We're still here. Amen. Amen. And so things happen in life. And, you know, I could go around this room. If I went around this room and I went to different people and I begin to ask you some of your life's experiences, some of the valleys that you've been through in life, we could, we could make movies out of some of your lives. Some of you in this place have been through so much, so much heartache and pain. But guess what? You're in a Wednesday night service. And I saw you lifting your hands. You ain't fooling nobody. I even saw you smile. Amen? You know why? Because you don't, you're not stuck in the valley. Amen? You know what? I want to make, I want my, I love mountaintop experiences and I know many times we go through things, but I want to make those valleys a mountaintop experience. The one thing that pastor, he changed my life by this one particular comment he told me. He said, take the little things and and, and blow them up. He said, I remember the term he used to use. You remember Pastor Mario, what he used to say? Magnify the ordinary. He used to say, magnify the ordinary. I never used to do that. I was always looking for the big things. You know, 17 people got saved at the altar call. 27 people got devils cast out of them. This happened. The crusade was great. This was awesome. We did this. No, he said magnify the ordinary. It's the little things that we fail to give God glory about. Amen? It's the little things that we fail to praise God about. Listen, that's where joy comes and victory in the little things. If you think about all the great things God's done for you in the last week, some of the miracles. I was listening to that one sister over here. I don't know if she's here, but she, the one that her husband had a stroke. And she's testifying one miracle after another. Amen. I was looking at my wife like, wow, I want her to pray for me. Amen. Think about it. Magnify the ordinary. It's the little things that God does in your life that we fail or we forget to give God glory for. And when you begin to do that in your life, you know what happens? You'll be a happier believer. The, the, you know, when the devil comes your way and he, he tries to get you to the right, it doesn't work. He comes to the left, it don't work. Listen, let me tell you something. When you get to heaven and you finally see the devil, and the Bible even explains it, when you see him, you're going to look at him and go, is this him? Is this him? The one who made the nations tremble? Is this him who made me in fear? Is this him who made me depressed? Amen? Listen, you don't have to walk in depression. Everybody, everybody in this room deals with depression in one degree or another, but you don't have to stay there. Amen? You don't have to stay there. Get around people who are excited. You got to get around Pastor Mario. He's the happiest man on the planet. Amen? He always makes me smile. Amen? You know, when I first met your pastor years ago, obviously, I'm not a basketball player, but I, I like I liked to get around these guys. Amen? I played combat ball with them, I called it. So I was always under the underneath elbowing all the tall guys. Amen? <laughs> Amen? It was fun. But, but I, of course, I'm not, I can't play no basketball. I was a wrestler and a fighter, amen. And, and uh, so he, he kept trying to convince me to come play basketball with him. Come play basketball. But it was more just to get to know him and fellowship. And I remember going out and playing with these guys. I was terrible, amen. But it was the fellowship. It was hanging around Pastor Mario and Pastor Dustin and, 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 and Pastor Blake. It was getting around these guys, man, getting around. People who are positive, getting around people, man, are always lifting me up. And that's the thing about your pastor, man, that he's got a tremendous gift. He has a tremendous gift. He encourages people. I'm serious, man. It's a gift. Not everybody has that. Amen. I've been around some grouchy preachers, you guys. Over the years, I used to know this one. I won't name his name. He used to go to our fellowship. Dude was the grouchiest preacher on the planet. He was always frowning. and looked like he was weaned on a dill pickle. Every time I seen the guy, I didn't want to get around him. Amen. He could preach a good word, but he was always, always mean. I don't want to be mean. Amen. To my son-in-law, I want to be mean. To you, to you guys, I want to be happy. Amen. I love my son-in-law. my wife right there. I love him by faith. (laughs) I love this scripture. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. He said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll direct your paths. You know, there's another song that I like. It's an old chorus. It goes like this. You got any rivers you think are uncrossable? You got any mountains you can't tunnel through? God specializes in things thought impossible, and he can do what no other power can do. I'm here to tell you, man, listen, God's the God of the mountains and the valleys. He's the God of the good and the bad, the in and the out. I'm always trying to find the good in things. I've learned over the years how to see good in people. It will be a, I got people I'm working with just in my particular church. You know, I got a guy that I'm working with. He is the most difficult person that I've worked with in many, many years. Amen. My flesh wants to take him out in the back of the church. Amen. But, but, but I, loved, I love on him. And I'm always trying to get him to come up higher, come up higher, come up higher, come up higher. I'm not giving up on this guy. Because in the back of my mind, I remember back in the day the people that did that for me. Because I, I sometimes I think we forget what we were like. Sometimes we forget how difficult we were. We forget how difficult and how much we tormented our pastors, Amen. And when I see people, I, I want to encourage them. I want them to make it. And I'll have, I'll have people come through my church, and they'll say, you know, why do you, why do you uh, let that guy usher? He still smokes cigarettes. I say, well, I'm, I'm, sometimes I'll use him to usher, and then I'll sit him back down. Amen? I'll say, have you been doing good? He says, yeah, I stopped smoking a week ago. Good. Get up there and usher. Amen? And then he goes, hey, I'm smoking again. Okay, you got to sit back down. But you can do it. Next week. Next week. One more day. I'm always trying to get him to do right. Why? Because I know what I was like. Amen? I drank for three months after I got saved, alcohol, even coming to church. In fact, I got baptized drunk, and nobody knew it. <laughs> Amen? And I remember I got baptized. I had been saved maybe 10 years, and uh, I got in the baptismal tank, and Pastor Jones was out there, and he goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm, I'm doing my first works over again. I was on. I, I don't know. I can't remember. Maybe it, was, maybe it was after I got on staff. I don't know. But I said, I, said, uh, I, said, I forgot to tell you, Pastor, I got drunk when you baptized me back then, so I want to do it again. Amen? You know, we got to give people a break sometimes. Amen? Because we got to remember where we came from. Praise God. Let me close with this. Psalms 23 verse 4 through 6. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, forever. You know the one thing that I didn't want to be remembered for? I don't want people to see me and think always. I stopped talking about that testimony I shared that because I've shared it in a long time, but I don't like sharing it. You want to know why? Because I don't want to be remembered for that. There's, I got, amen. I don't want to always be, hey, there's the guy that lost his kid. Amen. After, I, after my son died, everybody started bringing me all their family members who lost their kids. I didn't know what to say to these people. I was like, God, stop doing that. I don't want to be remembered for that. I want to be remembered for having the victory no matter what comes my way. I want to be remembered, man, for standing up and saying, I'm going to make it. God's going to help me. Amen. No matter what happens in life. Praise God. You're bigger than your problem. Amen. And God loves you bigger than your problem. Amen. Come on, let's bow our heads. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this opportunity tonight. God, what in my feeble attempt to share your word, I pray you take those words and turn them for your glory, God. I pray that not a single person in this room tonight is going to walk out here the same. I lift up every single Man, woman, boy, and girl in this place that's struggling, God, that's felt like giving up, felt like saying, I'm going to throw this, I, I'm throwing the towel and I can't do this. God, I pray you would restore faith in them again. God, trust in you. Lord, I take authority over every distraction right now. I bind the devil, I bind distractions, I bind luring spirits. And I thank you, God, for what you're going to do with every head bowed and every eye closed. First and foremost, before we move on, I want to ask all over this place, front back sides you're here and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus you know when I came into the church nobody had to come up to me and say you're not right with God you're not living right you're not saved I knew that and so do you so if that's you tonight and you know and tonight's your night tonight is your night you're not here by accident God brought you here it doesn't matter who invited you God brought you here so tonight if you don't know the Lord you're backslidden and your relationship with God is not what it should be before we do anything else, I want to get this straight. But I want you quickly all over this place with no one looking around. Front, back, sides. Say, you know what? I want I want tonight to be that night. I want to make it right with God. I want to start fresh with the Lord. If that's you, hold your hand up, wave it at me, put it right back down. Say, pray for me. I need God's forgiveness. I want to be right with God. Hold it up, put it right back down. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to pray for those people tonight. You know, Depression is a sneaky little thing. It can come on through self pity. It can come on through trials and struggles, and comes on us through the things that we deal with in life. But if you're not careful, it'll rob you of your joy. It'll rob you of your victory. It'll rob you, man, of your of your walk with God. It'll make you ineffective and fruitless. Tonight, I'm going to open up these altars, and I want to I want to ask all over this place if you here, you've been you've been nursing something, there's something going on in your life and you know what, you like feel like saying I quit, I don't think I can do this in a minute we're going to open up these altars and I'm going to ask you to come, I want those that are struggling with depression I'm going to ask them to come and I'm going to pray for those that are in this place tonight, you're sick in your body, you're in pain uh, the doctors have given you an evil report, we're going to believe God with, with you amen, for a miracle, trust God to see you get healed, amen come on, let's all stand together We're going to open up these altars. Maybe you want to come for whatever reason. This is the time to get and come and talk to God. Let's do that. Amen.